And I'm going to start in Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 6. And uh, let me give you a little backdrop here, because there's a lot that goes on in this chapter. Um, we move from Pentecost all the way into Paul's ministry, and I'm not going to get you into Paul's ministry today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on one particular part here, um, and, uh, and I believe you're going to be blessed. So starting in Acts chapter 3, um, um, Peter and John are getting ready to go into um, into the gate beautiful, and the Spirit of God is moving, and miracles are happening, and there's just wonderful stuff happening. The church just went from the darkest day ever because Jesus died to now he's, been, he's risen. He's taught them that this was actually a fulfilling of the Scripture and that he's alive, and then he goes back into heaven. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, starting in Jerusalem. So they're in Jerusalem. Things are going awesome, and this is what happens. Then Peter said, I'm sorry, they're getting ready to go into the place called Beautiful, and there was a... There was a um, there was a beggar there, and I'm trying to remember what was wrong with him. I think he was lame, much like this preach so far. Uh, and so he says, hey, can you give me some money? And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, look at us, which I think is really interesting. Can you give me some money? Hey, look at me. I don't think he thought it was going good at that point. <laughs> look at us. <laughs> okay, you know what? Don't give me money. Then Peter says, verse 6, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, say that, what I do have, what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. This right here would just preach. There's a whole, this is life change right here. Come on. This is life change right here. But, but since that's not the message, you just ponder that, everybody, because that's amazing. Let's keep going. He jumped to his feet. How many of you know you have to cooperate with God? He jumped to his feet, and he began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. All the charismatic in the house say, what? Walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. And while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? <laughs> just, why, what, why does this surprise you? This is awesome. I love how audacious we can get so quickly when you really think about it, because this is Peter, who like eight minutes ago was like, God's dead. And I mean, anyway, anyway, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us? As if by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk. Did you catch this? Guys, what are you doing? What are you looking at me for? You Really? Really? I'm Peter. Remember, I was hiding like eight minutes ago, denying God. All right? What makes you think that by our own power and our own godliness that this man is walking? That is ridiculous, Peter says. And he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. So if you're catching this, there's two pieces I want you to grab. Number one, he looks at the beggar and he says, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, say what I do have. But what I do have, I give to you. Get up and walk. Now oh, it is interesting because he, he immediately commands him in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. He heals the guy. Then the people come and they say, like, you've arrived. You found the secret knowledge, didn't you? you, you are you the Messiah? 
Are you super godly? Did you, did you figure out the godliness? Did you get righteous enough? Oh, check it out. Already, man, I got my goal. I've already walked five miles today. Come on. That's what happens when you wake up at five and start praying. All right. So <laughs> I love this thing, by the way. Okay, so he says, listen, here is not me arriving spiritually. I didn't get this through knowledge. It's not just knowledge. It's not that I have somehow done good enough at this point in order to make this happen, but rather it is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then he goes on to teach them and say, you know, you killed him, but it's okay. You did it ignorantly. Now repent because God wants to save you. So you got that? So the Spirit of God in Peter and John heals this man, and the message to them is this. It wasn't by my own power, and it wasn't by my own godliness, but it was the Spirit of Christ. All right, it was the Spirit of Christ that did it. And, and in this particular instance, that, that, blind, or that blind man, that lame man, he actually wanted money, but Peter didn't have money in that situation, so instead he just healed him in Jesus' name. He gave him what he actually had. And what did he have? He had the Spirit of God in him. Now I want to fast forward here to Acts 4. And it's amazing the things that happen. People get saved. Pentecost has happened. People are getting saved left and right. And, and you're, looking at, you're looking at the fruit of the Holy Spirit moving amongst these people. So there's healing that's happening. There's salvation that's happening. And there's amazing teaching that is happening. Because how many of you know the Holy Spirit is the teacher? So when the Holy Spirit came, suddenly... People start to understand, and you can open up the scriptures and point to them and say, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is what this means. So this incredible teaching is happening. Now look at some of the fruit, starting in Acts 4. All the believers were, one, were in one heart and mind. They were one in heart and mind. And no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and, and this is what I want you to catch. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all, God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, and they brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Okay, so from time to time, certain people who had stuff would sell it, and they would help with the other people who didn't have stuff. Okay, so you got this. But here's what, here's the interesting. And it says, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. In them all. Say, in them all. I'm going to catch this. It wasn't just in the people that sold stuff. And it wasn't just in the people that needed stuff. But it was in them all. God's grace was working so powerfully in them all. And here's what it says, that there were no needy persons among them. This, this sounds like just a quick, quick sentence, but it's, it's not. This is, a, this is a pregnant sentence. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. Now, I think for most of us, when we hear that, we think, wow, that was a miracle. That was a super big miracle that some of the people who had houses and fields, you know, enough to be able to sell them and still have houses, by the way. It doesn't say, and then they lived on the street together because the three people that had houses sold them. No, but those that were able to do that sold them. So the rich people 
that wanted to, they were moved of God, they would do something to help meet the need of the community. And I think most of us, how many of us immediately think of that? Like, oh, that's cool. Those rich folk, you know, shared the love. I mean, seriously, raise your hand. How many of you think of that? Yeah, I think most of us would think of that. But here's what's interesting. This is a community of believers. And the Spirit of God is moving so powerfully in this community of believers that the people in the community were also willing to share the fact that they had a need. Which I actually believe, by the way, is a much bigger miracle than that the, that the wealthy people shared. Because the most wealthy people that I've met are usually extraordinarily generous and extraordinarily righteous. That has my, been my experience. You do not find very many wealthy people that aren't living in a way that's very pleasing to God. Because it's very hard to get wealthy if you're wicked. You can do it, and there are a few that do, but the majority are actually honoring God. So it doesn't really shock me that there were people that were willing to be generous. You guys are really quiet. What does shock me is that the community was willing to be vulnerable. To the point that people that honestly probably weren't managing themselves very well. How many of you guys know that most of the time poor people are not that awesome with their finances? Yeah, yeah. Often it's not usually that I need money is the problem. Usually the problem is why do I always need money? Come on. Anybody gone to FPU around here? Anyone at all? Come on. Financial Peace University? Yes, right? It's that we don't manage ourselves well. And you know what's really hard? How many of you guys love to go to other people? Just say, you know, I don't know, in this tribe, your own house, and say, hey, look, I really need help. Like, I, re I really do. I actually really need help. How many of you are just excited about that idea? Like, you know, like, oh, so, um, can, I, uh, can I ask you for some help? It scares us, doesn't it? We honestly would rather go and ask a stranger who will charge us 18% for help. Can I just, uh, Visa, can I, can I get some help from you? I'd ask my friends, but here's the thing. Then they'll ask me some follow-up questions about why it is that I need money again. That I don't really want to deal with those, those issues. I'd rather just keep doing what I'm doing. Anybody saying ouch at the moment? Okay, so let, let, me, let me tell you a little bit about my backdrop, and I'll, I'll connect this. Are you guys with me so far? There's a vulnerability. There's a willingness. God's grace is working so powerfully in this community that there's a willingness to share weakness in the community. Are you getting this? This is huge. We like to hear good testimonies. Yeah, I'm a recovered addict, so we like hearing from the recovered addict. And we don't mind sharing our testimony once we've recovered. What we don't get excited about is like, hey, so uh, it's me. <laughs> I did it again. And, um, but God's grace is sufficient. And we're like, who let that guy give a testimony? Like he, his sin is like four minutes old. Like, why are we glorifying God for this? That does not give me hope. That means it might be a process. Now perhaps I'm going into another sermon. But are you guys with me? There's a vulnerability to actually share their need with their community. Okay, I grew up in a big family. Um, there's 10 kids in my family. And 
one of the things that's interesting about living in a family, how much time do I have? 15 minutes. Okay, one of the things that's interesting about living in a family, and, and this is cool, I knew my dad loved me and I knew my mom loved me. So let me just qualify that there was not insecurity in being loved by your mother and father and that you would be provided for in our family. We were very poor, actually, for many years, and then we did well uh, also. Um, we were never rich, but we were very poor at one point, and then we did okay. And so in that time, though, but our parents never told us we were poor, so we didn't even know. We just, we were just like, oh, that's cool, you know? You just, you know, clothes shopping happens when people drop, like, black 50-gallon bags filled with used clothes at your house. That's how you shop. You just, you shopping is that you go through, and you're like, oh, this one fits me. And so, but, but mom didn't say, oh, that's because we're poor. It was just like, yay, praise God. He, he, always, uh, he always provides. And we were like, yeah, he does. And then it wasn't until later. And then, and then also that milk comes in powder form. And then later you're like, oh, this comes out of a cow? That's amazing. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but, we, but we were never told that. So we had a lot of security that God would provide, and he did. But that is not what this message is about. But the security was there that God would provide. We have a good dad and we have a good mom. And kids in a healthy family who have a good dad and a good mom, and they know they're loved, and they know that their needs are going to be taken care of, there's an interesting thing that happens with the, with the sons and daughters in the way that they interact with each other. And, uh, and so the, the way that this happens, it, 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 it manifests in all kinds of ways, but today I'm going to use an example of, for instance, um, the way that we interact if there's an injustice or maybe if there's something that I want. What do I mean by that? Well, let's just say, for instance, um, that you, you have one sibling who, let's just say I come in with a bag of chips, all right? I come in with a bag of chips, and, I, and one of the other kids sees me eating my chips, and they've got a couple of questions. The first question they're going to ask is this, is like, hey, where'd those chips come from? And what that question means is, it's a qualifying question, which is, did like mom and dad buy those chips, or did you buy those chips? Now, either way, the follow-up question is still, can I have some? But there's a qualifying question because if mom and dad bought them, then it's like, yeah, give them over here. You know? But if you bought it, it's like, oh, can I have some? Right? But either way, you're going to ask your brother or your sister for some chips because if they're enjoying some delicious chips, then you know I want some. You love chips. So do I. And you love me. And we're healthy. And mom and dad are, this isn't about lack. Give, can I have some of them chips? So the, the key thing here, though, is that I'm just qualifying which way I'm going to share my need with you, all right? And so if you say, well, mom and dad bought them, they say, well, I'll give you some of the chips. But if you bought them, then I'd say, oh, well, can I have some? And now here's, now here's what's interesting. In a healthy family, I'm probably, if I'm, if I'm in a healthy family, which I was in a lot of ways, and there was some dysfunction just like all of our families, but overall, this, this was not a problem in this area, then I'm going to say, yeah, of course, you can have some of my chips. Because for me, as a brother of all these other sisters and brothers, I'm not even going to bring chips home unless I want to share them because <laughs> it's like, this is just too exhausting. No, you can't have chips. You're just going to sit here and watch me eat the chips, you know, and it's like, a, it's like when the dog watches you eat, you know. <laughs> are you getting full? <laughs> are you going to finish them? Are those the, uh, the, the, Dor the Doritos kind of chips? That, anyway. And so you just, you're going to share. And, and I was generous, and so I would. And we were a generous family, so, she, so, so we would. But here's the thing. These are the earmarks of a healthy family. And the kids are going to be fine with sharing their needs in a healthy family. 
So that's pretty patent, right? You guys are like, is he, is he done? <laughs> is that the point? The chips? I'm, I mean, I'm, I, wanna, I wanna eat chips now, but I don't know what we're doing. The grace of God was working so powerfully among them that there was no need. There was no need among them. There were no needy persons among them. So they were behaving like healthy sons and daughters. So let me stick with the chips. Let's say everybody has their little individual chips, okay? Mom and dad show up with the individual chips. You know, you know what I'm talking about, those little, then they're full of air, and there's only like this much chips at the bottom. What is that? That should be illegal. That really should. It's like, or they should have a line, like here's where they actually are. You wanna buy that bag? Their chips are down here. This rest here is just padding. Anyway, so everybody has their individual chips, okay? And so what happens then if your sister runs up and says, hey, can I have some of your chips? Well, you're gonna ask a qualifying question, aren't you? Like, well, where, where are your chips? Oh, well, I, you know, I put them in the cupboard because I want to eat them later, but I saw you're eating yours, so can I have some of yours? No, you can't have some of mine. Go eat your own chips. You know what? I think that's healthy. I don't have to share my chips with you if we have the same amount of chips. That's weird, isn't it? You guys can say yes, it is. That is weird. You're just crazy if you want to share your chips at that point. What's wrong with you? So, <laughs> that was a joke. Okay. Now, here's the other thing, though. What if, my, what if my brother or sister runs to me with their chips, and they're like, can I have some of your chips? And I go, well, where are your chips? And they go, well, here's the thing. I was running through the yard. I tripped. I fell down. All my chips came out. And I was going to use the five-second rule, but they fell into a fresh pile of doggy whoopty. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's horrible. Yeah, you can have some of my chips. Here, have some of my chips. Have half my chips. Right? And most of you would do that. Again, what is this? This is the earmarks of a healthy family, of brothers and sisters that are acting like brothers and sisters who have a good mom and dad. All right, let me go back to the scripture again. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. The people that needed chips were willing to come and say, can I have some chips? And the ones who had the chips were willing to say, where are your chips? Oh, well, I traded my chips for whiskey, and I got drunk, and I'm really hungover. And anyway, can I have some of your chips? No. No, you can't. Not right now. Let's talk about this. Like, what's going on with you always selling your chips for your addiction? Right? We have a good talk about it. And then I say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some of my chips. But we got to talk about this because this is, this is broken. This is going to hurt you. You see that? But there's a vulnerability that's involved. There's a willingness to both give and receive according to relationship in a healthy family. So that we can talk about real needs. Now, here's the other thing. Sometimes the person comes and goes, can I have some chips? And we go, well, we all were given chips. Where are your chips? And you're like, well, as it turns out, my favorite flavor of chips, the factory blew up. And they don't serve those chips anymore. And I had already paid for my chips. And it wasn't my fault because you know what? Bad things happen in this life, guys. And sometimes your chip factory blows up. And that is not because you're wicked or bad or evil or need to learn a spiritual lesson. You just Your flipping factory blew up. And I better care about you enough to say, well, here, have some of mine. I'll help you out. Right? But you got to be humble enough and confident enough that I'm going to care. 
and not just be like, go do a Bible study, dummy. Figure it out. Right? If you, if you, were, if you had good character, you'd have chips. Maybe you should talk to God about that. <laughs> it's not my job to give you chips. Go ask the government for some chips. We'll give you some chips. In fact, I'll make the government, I'm going to make the government make that guy give you chips. How about that? A little too close right now? Okay. So, what's the point? What's the point? Getting back to the scriptures. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. This was a real family. They could talk about chips. And they could talk about why you did and why you didn't have chips. And how to get the chips. And who deserves the chips. And if you were a knucklehead, they would go to mom or dad. And you'd have a conversation with mom and dad about why you always don't have chips. Or why you got all the chips. How come he's got all the chips? He's got my chips. He stole my chips, dad. What's the point? God's grace is so powerfully among us that we need not have needy people here. And I'm, and I'm not, and, and here's the thing, guys. Whoops. <laughs> Dropped my chips. The, the, <laughs> here's the thing. There is no such thing as just material poverty in almost every situation. It's always connected to other poverty. Material poverty is just the end result of relational poverty. If I'm broken inside and I have a problem with my earthly dad, let's say, and then I was given to my uncle and he was abusive too, it only takes me a couple of times to realize I don't trust authority. Well, how am I going to interact with my boss if I don't trust authority? Because he is my boss. So every time I get around my boss, I get weird. What's up, boss man? Got some work for me to do? Yeah, no, actually, you're fired. I got fired again. Always happens, man. Give a guy some authority. And what's he do? He gets all up and <laughs> happens everywhere I go. Right? What's the problem? Is the problem that I don't have money? Well, it's a problem, but it's not actually the problem. The problem is I turn into a knucklehead anytime somebody has authority because I haven't been healed yet. The grace of God is not so powerful among me yet that I don't lack need. I'm still a needy person. So how do I get there? Oh my goodness, I get there quickly. Okay. How do I get there? There's only one way to get there. And the clue that we have was this. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit comes. And I'm going to lay this out for you quickly because I want to get to the part where we ask for the Holy Spirit to come. But let me just tell you, let me just show you, this is legal. This is important. This is scriptural. This is what Jesus said. Acts 4.34, he tells them, wait for the Holy Spirit, and he will teach you all things. That means that we have to actually have the Holy Spirit to be teachable. Did you get that? Luke 24.49, he says, you will be endued with power from on high, and then you will become witnesses to all the world. You need to have the Holy Spirit to have power. And you need the Holy Spirit to be a good witness. You with me? John 14, 26 says again, he will teach you all things. And then it goes further and says, and he will remind you, Jesus speaking, of everything that I've said to you. 
And what did Jesus come to do? He came to reveal that, that God is a good dad. The Holy Spirit will remind you that God is a good dad. Because everything I told you was that God is a good dad. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will keep reminding you, he's a good dad. He's a good dad. Remember, he's a good dad. There's plenty of chips, Josh. You don't have to hate on red crab just because he's always eating chips in front of you. I'll bring you your own chips. And if you just humble yourself, Red would love to share his chips with you. Love you, Red. And not just because you got good chips. Romans 8, 15. It says, you have not been given a spirit of fear. But we've been given the spirit of God. Whereabout we cry out, Abba, Father. In our vernacular, Daddy. Whereabout we, we look at God and we say, Daddy, you're my daddy. You're the one with all the chips I'll ever need. I don't, I don't have to worry about anything because my dad, my dad, well, you have the same dad. But otherwise, I could truly say to you, you can beat up your dad. <laughs> it's the only time when that is absolutely true, hands down. My daddy can handle anything. My daddy beat death, sin, sickness, disease, poverty. My daddy beat it all. But here's the thing. I can't comprehend that or believe that unless the Holy Spirit comes into my life. Whereabout I can then say, Daddy. I can't comprehend it without the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? We cannot we cannot become sons and daughters and think like sons and daughters, the scripture says, unless we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. How? By receiving the Holy Spirit who seals us. And the first thing the Holy Spirit does, the first thing the Holy Spirit does is makes you understand you're a daughter, you're a son. It is the evidence that you are part of his family. And ships, not even a problem. He actually likes you. I know some people have a problem with this, but it means something to me. He's so good that every single one of us is his favorite. You know? He's like, hey, I have the capacity to be completely alone with you right now. You want to be alone just with me? You want to be alone with me? Yeah, I like you. You like me? Yeah. Don't you see what I'm doing, you know, right now? Yeah, it's weird. You're not acting like a son at all, but you're my son. So come here. You don't have to act like that. You see, the Holy Spirit makes you so aware of the fact that you're a son or a daughter that you can actually turn away from that weird thing you keep doing because that weird thing that you're doing has nothing to do with who you actually are. And you will never get beyond the weird thing that you do unless the Holy Spirit comes and reveals to you that you have a good daddy. And that, and better, and better, because you have a good daddy, you're a good son. You're a good daughter. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It goes on, Ephesians 1.13 says, we are marked with the seal of the Holy Spirit, which is a deposit of what Christ has done. 
It's actually a deposit in us that testifies, I have marked you and sealed you. And I love this scripture that to us that says, and no one can take you from my hand. That's not, that's not in Ephesians, but that's in another place. No one can take you from my hand. For 2 Corinthians First, uh, chapter 1, 20 through 22, God makes us stand firm in Christ, his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. There's the Holy Spirit again. And then finally, John 16, Jesus was speaking and he says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, your sorrow, your, I'm sorry, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, listen to this, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Number, here's another thing. Without the Holy Spirit, there's no help for you. Because Jesus is with the Father. And Daddy is in heaven, and he's with you, but he can only be with you through one particular way right now. And that is the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is God on earth. The Father and the Son are in you, but only through the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have the Father or the Son. And he says this, listen to this. Oh, if I depart, I will send him to you. This is, uh, this is John 16, if you guys want to go there. And he says this, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they don't believe in me. How many of you have tried to make somebody believe in God? I know, right? It's just like, just hit your head against a wall. It's easier. Unless the Holy Spirit's involved. Because the Holy Spirit convicts people of sin. When you and I do it, it's just moralizing and legalism. It's just us telling them, I'm a better person than you. You should be more like me. The world would be better if you'd stop being like you and a little more like me. That is salvation without the Holy Spirit. That's the message. But if the Spirit of God is in you, then you come and the Spirit of God leads you and you direct and you say, I've found God. And here's the amazing thing. It turns out, it turns out, Red, he's your dad. <laughs> You're your dad. What? Yeah. And he likes you. And when the Spirit of God is present, Red goes, that is the craziest, stupidest, most childish, amazing thing anyone's ever told me. Tell me more. But you're not a good witness unless you have the Holy Spirit. And none of us are. Are you guys convinced that maybe we need the Holy Spirit? All right, all right. I love this too. I have to say this because this is huge. He convicts us of sin, the world of sin, and of righteousness. Right now, our world says there is no such thing as righteousness. Everything is relative. So righteousness is just cultural conditioning. Righteousness is just what people with power have told you when they had power. Righteousness is just what your mommy and your daddy told you, and they were ignorant, and we've evolved. All right, that's what the world is saying right now. The Spirit of God comes and says, righteousness is found in Christ Jesus. Listen to his words. Righteousness is found in daddy God's heart. Look at his son, Jesus, because Jesus is perfect theology. The Holy Spirit does that. And without the Holy Spirit, you don't know what righteousness is. You're just creating your own. Without the Holy Spirit, you and I love that kind of relativistic nonsense. Yeah, it's just all conditioning. I can do what I want when I want to. Yeah, that, that feels good. 
I'm going to do it. Yeah, that feels real good. It will for a while, but it will fail you. But with the Holy Spirit, we can actually say, God, you show me what righteousness is. And he says, look at my son. Take up your cross and follow me. But without the Holy Spirit, it's not there. And then the final one, judgment. The Holy Spirit brings judgment. And who has been judged? The devil. The deceiver. The one that's been lying to us has been judged. Not us. It's not time for us to be judged. We will be judged. After we have this time on earth, there will be a day, one day, when we will stand before the Lord to answer for what we've done with Jesus. He will ask us, what did you do with my son? Did you reject him? Did you deny him? Did you neuter him and cast him in your own image? Did you make him culturally relevant? Did he look just like you? Or did you make him your teacher, your master, your big brother, and your friend? Did you follow him and learn his ways? And we'll each answer that. We will. But for us, we're saying right now, yes, yes, Jesus. Show me, Dad. Teach me your ways. Give me, oh God, the Holy Spirit. Let's just stand together. I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take just about five more minutes here because I don't want to rush this part. I'm going to take just a moment. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want you to think about that prayer and see if you want to make it your own. Because Jesus said this, none of us, if we ask for the Holy Spirit, will he give us something else. He said, your dad is a good dad. If you ask for a loaf of bread, he's not going to give you a rock. If you ask for a fish, he's not going to give you a scorpion. And he was actually talking about if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he's not going to give you a demon. He's a good God. He'll give you a good gift. And he wants us to have the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do any of these things. All right? I've already laid that case. Well, God's laid that case. I've just pointed it out. So here we go. Daddy God, we come before you right now. Having examined the scriptures, having taken these last half an hour to, to ponder and carefully examine these words about Holy Spirit, God on earth, your spirit, We've heard that you're the teacher, that you're the helper, that you're the seal of our, of our redemption, that you're the comforter, that you remind us of all things, that you only speak the things you've heard from the Father, that you remind us of what Jesus has said, and that through you we understand that we're sons and daughters. We've, we've heard the words written down in Holy Scripture that we are to come to you for those things, and Daddy, we're coming to you for those things. And after a careful examination of this, God, and maybe for some of us we need to do some of our own homework, and, and God, thank you that we can do that. Meet us in that journey. Direct us in that journey. We, we humble ourselves and say, God, lead me so that I can, with a, with a pure conscience, conscience and without prejudice, 
encounter your Holy Spirit, the promised Spirit of God on earth. So for those of us that, that need to go do a little more work, guide us then, reveal to us then the truth of who you are because, because I honestly have been suspect of you, Holy Spirit. And I need you to take the fear away. You said in your word that we've not been given a spirit of fear but a spirit of adoption, but the truth is whenever I think of you, Holy Spirit, it's more fear than anything else. So make that transformation. Bring revelation to my own heart in that area. So Holy Spirit, for those of us that are ready to do this, we just ask right now, first of all, and I want you guys to just ponder this and you, you speak it to the Lord in your, own, in your own voice if you agree, but I'm going to just walk through these things that we've just learned about and we're going to invite Holy Spirit to come into our lives in these areas that scripture has laid out that we're allowed to ask for, that we must have. And the first thing is this, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come into my life. You are God on earth and I invite you to come and show me that I'm a son, that I'm a daughter. Testify to me. Transform me. Renew me. Show me that that's true. Show me that God is my daddy and that he's a good daddy. Holy Spirit, the scripture says of you that you are the teacher, that you will teach me all things. That you will remind me of everything that the great teacher, Jesus Christ, my Savior, said to do. You said in the scriptures you would remind me of those things. You would help me to learn from Christ, to learn about Dad. Holy Spirit, come. Teach me all things. I'm welcoming you to be my teacher. When I read the scriptures, that you would help me to understand them. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, you said that, uh, the, the scripture says of you that you are the one who makes me a witness and that I have power to be able to live and to be transformed and to be a witness of, the, of Daddy and of Jesus Christ, the Savior. I need you to come and endue me with power from on high. The scripture says of you, you're the same power that worked mightily in Christ, raising him from the dead, that, that I can welcome that into my life and that you would raise me from the dead, from my dead thinking from my self-centeredness, from my fear and distrust of all others. I need to be, I need to be something new, Holy Spirit. Endue me with power from on high and make me into a good witness of Daddy and of his love. Holy Spirit, I invite you to come. Holy Spirit, I'm an addict. Ugh, I'm always comforting myself. You know what my favorite medication is, Lord. But I confess I have a problem. And I go to that problem. I go to that place because I need comfort. I need it. This life is hard and these challenges are hard and I keep going to that place. But the scripture says that you're the comforter. And I don't want to comfort myself anymore. I, I don't want to do it. 
But I need to be comforted. And Lord, you, the scripture says, Holy Spirit, you're the comforter. So Holy Spirit, I want you to be my comfort. I want you to be the one that comforts me when I need it. It's okay that I need comfort. I don't want to do it myself anymore. Holy Spirit, come. Be my comforter. And Holy Spirit, it is you that brings gifts to all of us that we could discern, that we could prophesy that we could speak in other languages should you give them to us, that you would burn like a fire in us and mighty miracles would be worked through our hands, not because we're godly or have special knowledge or power, but because the spirit of Jesus Christ is working through us because you, Holy Spirit, are God on earth. And I must be endued with power from on high because I certainly can't do it through my smarts, through my efforts, through my godliness or my righteousness, only Christ, he has qualified me. And so now because of that, because of the blood of Christ, fill me, Holy Spirit, with the power of God that you would be glorified in all the earth and that we would make disciples of all nations proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. Holy Spirit, come. And the body of Christ said, the prayer servant team is coming forward. If you need more prayer, if you need healing, if you need encouragement, or if you want to become a follower of Christ today, come to, this, to these prayer servants and they will walk you through any of that. And for some of you, if you want a word of encouragement, a word of an exhortation, or maybe a word of knowledge, please come forward. The prayer servant team would be happy to prophesy over you if that's something you desire. God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace.